morning. We have a few people here this morning. And welcome from Rockford, Illinois, where the temperature was minus 10 degrees. So wherever you are, I'm sure you're comfortable and warm. We are so glad that you've decided to join us this morning. We will be celebrating Holy Communion. But first, we have a couple of announcements. If you would still like to participate in the Lenten reflections, you may do so. Just contact Cheryl Rogers, and she will be happy to help you out with a, a reading. Also, the book group is meeting, and the book is The Invention of Wings by Sue Monkid, which is based on the true story of the Grimke sisters in Charleston, South Carolina. And finally, if you would like ashes for Ash Wednesday delivered to your home, please contact the office, and we will be sure to bring them by and drop them off. And with that, let us pause for a moment before we begin our worship. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be your kingdom, now and forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Together. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his kingdom on earth. Lord God, the heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive our prayer. For you alone are the holy, you alone are the holy, you alone are the most high. Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated for the proclamation of the word. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught? and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them and then wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you com compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? 
Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here ends the lesson. The psalm appointed for today is number 147, verses 1 through 12 and 21 through. Hallelujah! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasant it is to honor Him with praise! The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the heartbroken and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. There is no limit to his wisdom. The Lord lifts up the lowly and casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God upon the harp. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rains for the earth. He makes great on the mountains and green plants to serve mankind. He provides food for flocks and herds and for the young ravens when they cry. He is not impressed by the might of a horse. He has no pleasure in the strength of a man. But the Lord has pleasure in those a reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. 
To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Here ends the lesson. Simon and his companions hunted for him, 
When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Like so many of the readings today, oh, please sit down. I'm not used to having people here. Like so many of Mark's passages in the gospel, they are short, but they have a lot to say. The theology in Mark, we've often thought of as being rather simplistic because everything is in short sentences. The gospel is only 16 chapters. He uses, Mark uses words like immediately. Jesus immediately got up and left. The demons cried out to him. But digging in deeper into this passage, there are several things I'd like to point out to you. And the first one is Simon, Peter, that we call him. And what archaeologists have figured out is that Peter was a man of means. He had a fishing boat, so he obviously was able to create a living for him and his family. Capernaum was on, on the, excuse me, brain freeze, it is cold out, <laughs> was on the trade route. So the fishing was good, and people knew to come that way to be able to take the goods on to another town. When they excavated what they believed was Peter's house, they actually found fish hooks. And today there is a Catholic church that is built just above Peter's home, which has many rooms. So when Jesus came to stay, he would have had his own place. Peter's mother-in-law lived with him, so there were obviously several rooms in the home. And I think what I've come away with in learning about this passage is the compassion that Peter has for others, including Jesus. His mother-in-law obviously had no other male relatives because they would, she would have gone to live with them before she would have gone to live with her son-in-law. The way that the, uh, the hierarchy worked in those days was that if a woman husband died, she went to live with her brothers or other family members, or if it was a, she would go to live with her sons, if there were no sons, that is how she ended up with Peter's, living in Peter's home. Peter could have turned her out. He could have said, I'm sorry, Mom, I love you, but I don't have any room for you. But he made room for her, I believe, not only in his house, but in his heart. He would have loved her deeply, and he was obviously very worried about her when he got back from the synagogue, because right away he tells Jesus that his mother-in-law has a fever. And Jesus goes into the mother-in-law's room and takes her by the hand and lifts her up. 
Now lifts her up is resurrection verbiage. And Mark uses this phrase throughout the gospel. When he speaks about healing Jairus' daughter, he raises, he lifts her up. And we know that Jesus was lifted up onto a cross. So he's talking about what is impending for Jesus in his life. In addition, in the 16th chapter, when the women go to the tomb, they see the young boy sitting on the rock, and he says to them, he is not here. He has been raised up, which is another word for lifted up. So Mark's gospel is constantly referring us back to the resurrection, making us understand what Jesus' mission for us, for him, is here on earth. The other piece in this reading is that, of course, once Simon's mother-in-law was made well, everyone heard about it, <clears throat> excuse me, and they came to Simon's house, and you can imagine people five, six, seven deep, just wanting so desperately to have Jesus heal them. And the interesting thing in Mark is he healed some of them. He didn't heal all of the people that came to he healed some of them, which makes me think about our own lives. When we pray for healing, it's never a guarantee. We are not going to always be made better. We will be made whole, perhaps in a different way. We will be made whole, which for others would seem like we are not whole. If you're suddenly very sick, you have a stroke, and you're paralyzed, and this is as far as you can get, would you use a walker or a cane? You've been made whole, but not whole the way society thinks of, of being whole. Because you're whole in the eyes of God. These are hard truths for us to understand. We so desperately want God to fix our problems. But we're always told, and I always pray when I'm with someone who's ill, that God will heal them in his own time and in his own way. And it may not be 100%. It may be 95%. The person may live longer but ultimately die from the disease. Those are hard truths that Mark has put into this gospel for us to think about and meditate upon. And finally, in the gospel reading for today, Jesus takes a moment out to go away in the dark, in the desert, to pray. He needs to recharge his batteries. He needs to be fresh so that he can continue to do the work that God has put him on earth to do. We don't often think of Jesus as needing to rest or recreate, to have a good time, to throw a party. But if Jesus came to earth to be fully human, then he would need time to reflect and think of everything that is going on around him. Pause and pray for the person that he saw the night before that he may not have been able to get to but caught his eye. We also understand that, understandably, the disciples were worried about Jesus. 
waking up in the middle of the night and seeing that the person you love and care for is not in the house is a frightening experience. So they would have rushed out and been frantic in a way that we can understand as human beings. And they find Jesus, and he's telling them, let us go away. Let us go away where we can be on our own for a couple of hours. And they carry on. But I do believe it's after they've been able to be together and pray and share a meal. Those are the details that Mark leaves out that we're allowed to fill in as followers of Jesus, to understand his humanity and to understand what makes us all whole. In our society today, it's too easy to constantly work. We don't ever turn off our phone. In the morning, we wake up and flip on the button and see what the headlines are for the day. We take texts and emails at all hours, and then we wonder why we don't sleep. We wonder why we don't wake up refreshed. If we follow Jesus' example, we would take time out and be by ourselves. And for some people, being alone is frightening. Because if I'm alone with my own thoughts, Lord knows where they're going to go. They probably won't go to a good place. Let me just tell you that right now. They'll go to a place where I can ruminate and chew on problems. Some that happened years ago. Because there's nothing like an old problem to give you a sleepless night. I know I've spent many in this pandemic regretting how I've lived my life, the choices that I've made, the hurts I've caused. But it's only by being alone with ourselves that we can learn and grow and become better Christians and better followers of Jesus. In her book, Wintering, and I have the quote because it is so well put and so beautiful, Catherine May writes about this very thing, about needing to recharge our batteries. Catherine is autistic, and she wasn't diagnosed until she was in her 30s. She lives in the UK, and on her 30th birthday, when she was expecting a wonderful celebration, her husband became deathly ill. And being the spouse, kept telling him to just get over it. You've ate something bad. You'll, get, you'll feel better tomorrow. Well, it was a terrible attack of appendicitis. And when he got to the hospital, the nurses and doctors ignored him. And he was rolling in pain because of his appendix that ultimately burst. And she felt terrible because she didn't advocate for him enough. So the book is about wintering and what it means to have rest and retreat in difficult times. And she talks about this through the whole year, how that one story in her life gave her the opportunity to change and see things differently. Her husband thankfully recovered, and she went on to see life differently. She went on to understand that we don't have to respond to every text and email. We don't have to watch the headlines. We can turn the news off for a day 
and will still be there the next day to read the news or listen to it. And our lives will be so much better for it. She talks about what happens in the winter. Things hibernate. We slow down. We get quiet. She writes that animals don't fight in the winter with one another because they need to save their strength just to make it through. But she also talks about how we need to winter in our souls and that wintering is not a bad thing. People say, oh, I hate the winter. Well, I can honestly say, living in the South, I hate the summer because it was 100 million degrees most days with humidity of 200,000%. I exaggerate, but that's how it felt. But she says that what we have to do is do deeply unfashionable things. We have to slow down and let our spare time expand by getting enough sleep, Resting, she said, is a radical act, but it is essential. This is a crossroads we all know, a moment when we shed our skin. If you do, you'll expose all those painful nerve endings and feel so raw that you'll need to take care of yourself for a while. If you don't, then your skin will harden around you. Jesus gave us this example by going out in the dark and praying. He realized he needed that time to shed his skin, to become the person that God was calling him to be. Jesus wasn't a static human being. He evolved. He changed. He became a little bit softer. And that sometimes is hard for us to understand because so many times we see Jesus as a, a one-dimensional character. But today's reading shows us all of Jesus, his compassion, his caring, his needing to rest, his needing to pray, and his needing to be with his disciples. We are wintering right now. Obviously, it's very cold here, like I said today. But we're wintering in a lot of other ways. Many of us don't have the vaccine, so we're unable to go out. And when we do go out, we make our trip short. It's a lonely existence. We're all hibernating in our own way. But out of that will grow who we want to be as individuals. Who do we want to be in the world? And who, what do we want our world to be? I know what I want. I want it to be kinder and gentler and more understanding and happier. And not so fast-paced. The ability to slow down and take a break and not feel guilty about it. Those are the things that we are learning in this pandemic. And those are the things that Jesus teaches us every day. Like I said in the Gospel of Mark, these are things that need to be, these are passages that need to be mined for a deeper understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. May you find peace and strength and hope and love in this passage, as I have this week. Amen.
say together the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and then his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In peace, we pray to you, Lord God. For all people in our daily life and work, for our families, friends, and neighbors, and for those who are our own, for this community, the nation, and the world, for all who wish for justice, freedom, and peace, for the just and proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression, for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble, for those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. For Michael, our presiding bishop, and Paula, our bishop elect, and for all bishops and other ministers. For all who serve God in his church. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation, especially Mary, Mary Ann, Owen, Nick, Rich, Sam, Patrick, Dawn, Trish, and Dorothy. Hear us, Lord, for your mercy is grace. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life, especially those celebrating birthdays, Rick, David, and Carla, and those celebrating anniversaries, especially John and Mary. We will exalt you, O God, our King, and praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all their died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them, who put their trust in you, 
We pray for you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy on us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins. Now and now. Think us God that you have not done. And somewhat hold us in your spirit, that we may live and serve you in the newness of life. To the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you and forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. My friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Be socially distanced. <laughs>